Hello, my name is Rosemary Orchard, and I am joined today by my wonderful co-host, David Fox, and we are going to talk about automation. Hello, David. Hello, Rosemary. How are you today? I am excited. We're talking about the Mac today. Yes, we are automating the Mac and all the maintenance tasks you do. I mean, oh, yeah. People, people need to maintain their Macs, but that doesn't mean you need to manually do that, right? Oh, God, no. I mean, why would I spend all this time, you know, like clearing my trash and removing old files from downloads and stuff like that when actually I can just get a couple of tools to do all this stuff for me or at the very least make it into something that I can do in a couple of clicks? Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about that today and uh, I'm looking forward to getting started. Why don't we just dig right in? Yeah. I mean, I think maybe we should we should start at, at the end in many ways with maybe the trash, because there's quite a few ways that you can automate clearing out your trash and just cleaning up in general, um, which yeah. is perhaps the end of what you do at the day, uh, of what you do at the end of the day, rather. But I, I feel that that's a good place to start because that's one of the easiest things to accomplish, in my opinion. Yeah. One of the things that people have lost track of is Mac maintenance tools made by Apple. And they're there, but they're not necessarily where you think they are. Um, one of the places you go to it is the Apple menu about this Mac. And if you go there, you'll see that they've got a bunch of information in that. You know, they've got information about your displays, your storage, showing, you know, what's going on with what's stored on your hard drive. They've also got, if you've got Apple um, uh, care attached or support or service stuff attached, you've got that information there. But if you go to the manage button for your, your drive under storage, that opens a whole bunch of options. And one of the ones that it opens is the ability to empty your trash automatically. This has not been there forever. Um, I kind of lost track, but it's been within the last three or four years, I would say, that they've added this. Mm -hmm. It's definitely on macOS Mojave because I'm still running that. I'm still a little nervous about upgrading to Catalina on my recording machines. Um, and uh, I, I've just double-checked, and it's right there in Mojave. Yeah. So uh, if you want to, I mean, because your trash does fill up, and that is a problem if you've got you know limited storage space. And the age of SSDs has made that an issue for everybody. I mean, you do need to be keeping an eye on what's getting stored in your uh, your hard drive because I call it a hard drive. It's not even a hard drive anymore, your drive. Um, because with the you know limited number of bits you've got on the solid state storage, given the cost of them, although that is getting better now, uh, you do need to be aware of that and you can do it right out of the operating system. So just go into About This Mac over to the uh, storage tab um, and tip, tap the manage button. Can you see why nobody notices their rows? You gotta yeah. like, yeah. I mean, first of all, who would think that in order to manage the automatically emptying the trash, you go to the about this Mac button under the Apple menu? How would you even nobody. know to look there? Um, but, but that's there and that's really nice. So, uh, I would recommend if nothing, just put that in there, but there's also some software tools for this as well. Yeah, so one of the tools that I really like to use for this is Hazel, um, because Hazel can also automatically get rid of files that are over a certain size. So I think I set mine to like two gigabytes or something, and I've just said, if I trash anything that's over two gigs, just get rid of it permanently for me, because that's the kind of thing where you're there, you're desperately trying to save space on your machine because it's running out of storage space. 
and then and you're trashing stuff, but it you're not actually improving the situation because it's still there until you've emptied the trash, at which point it's actually gone. Um, and so I, I use Hazel as well to help me with that. And also Hazel can it can do this as well, where it will automatically empty the trash. Um, and you can set that to um, less than 30 days. So you could say that set automatically delete anything that's been in my trash for two days or a week or something, which is more of a fine grain control over what's built into the Mac. Yeah, this is one of those examples of a third-party developer showing up and just, you know, doing a better job of it than Apple with more details, you know, more automator, you know, love here. And the thing I like about the way Hazel does it is, uh, first of all, you can make rules in Hazel that manage your, your trash. And we're going to talk about Hazel later with respect to the finder and automatically managing files. Um, but the the trash button in Hazel, it's just a, a feature that again, people may not realize is there because you buy Hazel for that magic rule system where it automatically moves files around for you. But there's a whole trash system in the Hazel preference pane and you can have it delete files and you can set it very granularly. I mean, like the the default, I believe, is one week, but you can say after 10 days or after seven months or whatever you want where it automatically deletes files. Um, but you've also got the ability just to say, keep my trash no bigger than X, you know, let's say three gigabytes. So if your trash ever gets bigger than three gigabytes, it just starts deleting files. Probably, I, I believe by age, you know, the older, the sooner. <laughs> Um, but you can say, I just want to keep my trash to a certain level. Um, that button also has what they, Hazel calls app sweep, which is a different form of trash. You know, when you delete an application, sometimes uh, they do have system files they install on your system in various places. Um, the original system on the Mac was supposed to have all that contained within the application. So when you would delete the app, it was truly gone. That's not true anymore. I mean, the app, the, the Mac operating system has evolved so much that there's plenty of apps that write little files into your user folder in different places. So with Hazel's uh, app sweep, it will go through and clean all that out too. So um, if you want to manage your, you know, cleaning your trash automatically, uh, I would I would definitely turn on the, the Apple thing, the 30-day thing from Apple if you don't have anything. But I would honestly consider purchasing hazel and installing it i think it's it's a much more powerful tool along with one other that i think is really good for trash management and and we're these two apps are going to probably be the stars of this episode because they come up in so many different categories of automatically managing maintenance on your mac but the other one if you're listening up it, you're guessing it it's clean my mac clean my mac does a really good job of this too so to be clear, we're talking about the um, Clean My Mac, which is made by MacPaul, the same people who make Setup. There is another similar app called MacKeeper, which is not the one that we're recommending here. Uh, Setup uh, and MacPaul have done a really great job with Clean My Mac. You've got all these sorts of buttons and knobs and toggles inside of Clean My Mac that you can tweak and click, and you can get really nerdy and micromanage everything if you like, or you can just let it run, and it, it'll tell you what it's going to do anyway, um, and it, it can then just do a great job. And it can also get rid of things like extra translation files on your machine that you don't need, which is really nice. Yeah, that one's going to come up in several of these categories because it does such a good job of of getting through a lot of different things on your Mac. And like if you're looking for automated maintenance stuff, this is an app definitely worth buying. I would actually recommend if you're interested in it, just going in and perhaps 
trying to set up a subscription. It's mm-hmm. a bit by the same company, MacPod, I've set up. They also make Clean My Mac. But just every time I go into setup, I just went in there this morning to download a copy of Gemini, which we're going to talk about later. And I just can't get over how many apps are in here. Now Pathfinder is in there. I mean, it's like every time I open it, there's another app that I usually pay money for that's that's in the service. So that's worth worth checking out just kind of in general. But but it's it's an excellent tool. Um, I think that you know Hazel is the app I actually choose to manage my trash you know collection and and throwing out for me. Uh, I use Clean My Mac for a whole lot of other things, and, and frankly, when I do run Clean My Mac, it doesn't be my trash for me too. But but Hazel's the one that I I like in particular for this particular problem. Yes. What about you? Uh, well, I actually use both uh, the built-in Mac setting and um and Hazel because um. So I've actually got Hazel set to keep my trash under a gigabyte. Um, and yeah. it does a great job of that. But every so often, I don't really trash that much stuff. You know, I go through periods where there's not a lot of stuff in there. Um, and so I could have files in there that have been there for more than 30 days. So I use both um, because they're not colliding. They're not, you know, fighting with each other to see who can clear the trash first and causing issues on my machine. One of them's literally just looking to see if anything's older than 30 days. And the other one's going, hey, here's your trash over a gigabyte. And working yeah. together, they they help keep my Mac clean and tidy. All right, now now this next category is about automating desktop cleanup and and download folder, but desktop in particular, Rose. I don't know what your practice is. What what's your desktop look like today? Oh God, today no. Okay, so I use um, the I use the the show stacks or the use stacks feature. So if you right click on your desktop on a Mac, then you can toggle on use stacks, and basically this tries to group like items together. So I have a stack on my desktop of screenshots, um, which I've been taking for an article that I've been writing, and I have four screenshots in that. Um, yeah. But they'll only be there probably for another uh, day because if it's something that's over two days old. Um, and it's on my desktop, then it gets moved. Um, and I have set up a couple of Hazel rules. So I move uh, screenshots um, off to a Dropbox folder called Screenshots. Um, it's very creative naming. Um, and it's just basically um, a place to keep these things just in case I really do need them. Um, and what I've been trying to do recently, and I'm not sure if it's worked or not, um, and I'm not going to mess with it while we're on the show just in case I accidentally kill my recording, is um, I've, I've told Dropbox actually don't sync that folder locally. So what this does is it then moves things to Dropbox. So I can still get at it. It's just not locally stored on my machine. So I'm saving a little bit of space. I have a 512 gigabyte SSD, so I'm probably not going to run out of storage anytime soon. I'm only using about half of that. But I try and, and and get things moved off of my desktop after a day or two. Because for a day or two, I can live with a few things being there. Um, but I, I also like to use Yoink to to shove things in if, I, if I'm just moving stuff around and I need to put it somewhere temporarily. All right. That was a lot of information. <laughs> Okay, so uh, I want to start with the beginning. Uh, you made mention of the Mac OS solution for cl- automatically cleaning your desktop. Yeah. And it's called Stacks. And yes. I think this is a very underrated feature on the Mac. Okay, so the way it works, like Rose said, just right-click on your desktop, and then it magically collects every different type of document and puts them into Stacks for you. So if you've got a bunch of PDFs, it'll have a stack of PDFs, and it renders them in a way that's very clever. It it looks like a stack of paper. And like, for instance, PDFs, it actually renders the, the image of the PDF. It's not a generic PDF icon. It is the actual PDFs that you have. Does the same thing for uh, uh, Word documents and different, you know, different types of things for you. And as you put things on your desktop, they automatically get added to the stack. Now, 
This is some automation you can bring into the life of your loved ones that don't listen to the automators podcast, right? Um, you just go in, you right click it and it automatically organizes all that. Cause everybody knows the person that has their desktop covered in icons. And, um, this is something you can do to help them. I would recommend, however, that you help them in a way that they are aware of that you don't just do it. I seem to remember a story on Mac Power Users where where you helped uh, Daisy, and Daisy was it was not the happiest with your assistance. No, man the 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 person that I share a bed with was really angry with me because I um you know I I tried to organize this was before stacks. I just made a folder on her desktop said all of Daisy's doc, you know, desktop files. Cause they were overlapping each other. Like literally it was like, she lapped the desktop, right? The icons started generating on top of each other because there were so many of them. And she, she woke me up from sound sleep. And I thought the house was on fire. So as I told the story on Mac power users years ago, but I, it was like, you know, it's like those, that's one of the moments in my marriage where she was really mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, we don't have that many, uh, you know, moments like that. But the uh, anyway, so, so yeah, like I said, check in with your significant other before you do that. But, but stacks is way better than the way I did it because it, it kind of shows you the documents organized. Now, now that's for the non-nerds in your life. Now for the nerds, the people listening to Automator Show, stacks is still great. I mean, even though like I'm going to talk in a minute about how I automatically deal with the stuff using Hazel. I still use stacks too, because I just think it's so much cleaner to have these little stacks of documents. Now, that being said, I don't want these stacks on my desktop. I am, um, you know, I have a, a shutdown routine, you know, that because I'm, I'm manic every day, I have to like shut my day down. And one of the things I do in the shutdown routine is everything comes off the desktop. You know, it, if it's something that I'm working on, it needs to go to where it belongs or it needs to go in the trash. If I leave them there for a few days, then what happens is I have extra documents and copies of things I'm working on for legal clients. And I'm not sure what is, you know, proper and what isn't, mm-hmm. and, you know, what's the, and it just things I, in my experience, if I don't do it every day, it takes much longer to do it every few days. So I do it every day. And uh, so my desktop gets clean every day. But during the course of the day, I have nice little stacks of documents. So uh, that's my system. That's a, that's a good system. Uh, and the other one I mentioned is Yoink. Um, and Yoink isn't actually necessarily desktop storage. Um, it's just a little application that lives on the side of your your Mac screen. You, you choose which which spot to put it on. Um, yeah. And it appears when you drag documents or files of any kind over to it, and then it stays there while it's got something on top of it. And I really like this because it's there shoving in my face that I was going to do something very quickly with this document and I haven't got around to it yet. Um, it's very useful at work when when you're likely to be interrupted, for example, um, which is probably the same if you have, you know, a significant other or kids at home or something, um, you know, and so then that thing is there and it, it's just sitting there and staring at you going, what are you going to do with me? And then when you drag something out of Yoink, um, you, can, you can set it up so that it just disappears. Um, so it's, it's like a temporary shelf that you stick stuff on and then you pull it out, um, and it's gone. Um, or you can set it so that Yoink keeps it, uh, it's up to you. Um, but I really like that. Shelves are really great for, this is kind of on the edge of automation, but the shelves are just a really great tool in general for moving stuff around, particularly if you've got a smaller laptop and you need to put some, some apps in full screen shelves can save your bacon so often. 
Um, one of the things about Yoink that Royce didn't mention is that they also have an excellent iOS app and it uses iCloud storage. So anything you put into Yoink on your Mac shows up in Yoink on your iPad, which is really great. Yeah, I, I have to say, I, I really like Yoink. And that's not just because it's made by somebody in Vienna, um, but it's just a very good app um, that I found to be extremely useful for me. And uh, as we mentioned earlier, Setup is probably going to be mentioned quite a few times in this episode. It is part of Setup as well. So you can buy it directly from the Mac App Store or Setup, um, depending on your preferences. I didn't realize that that was an Austrian developer. I'm pretty sure the the guy is Austrian. I'm now probably thinking of completely the wrong developer, and so I'm very sorry if that is the case. Um, but uh, I'm I'm pretty certain that the that person is in Austria, uh, even in Vienna, I think. Nice. Um, well, I do think that uh, Yoink is excellent. There is another similar app I would mention that is really good, uh, and it, it is a little more automation type app, and it's called Drop Zone. The the current version is Drop Zone three, yeah. And with Drop Zone, you can make little. I guess you would call them scripts, but basically, it comes out of the top menu bar. If you just drag a file and pull it anywhere in your desktop, it drops down. Hence the name. Uh, but you can put little things in there, like you can say anything. You can create a new one that says like move or copy to a folder. Like I have mm-hmm. the action folder that is kind of like a place, a temporary storage for stuff for me before I have Hazel rules run on them. And um, I have in drop zone, the action folder there. So any file I click and drag, drop zone will drop down. I can just lay it on top of that action folder and it moves it to the action folder. Another really handy one I have is copy to desktop, Mm -hmm. where sometimes I'm on a website and I have a file I pull out or I'm just doing something where I want to save a copy of the file somewhere. And, And as much as I railed against you know, storing stuff on the desktop for multiple days. I do use the desktop during the day all the time. I think it's a great temporary storage place. So if, and so rather than move to desktop, I use a copy to desktop command there. So I can just put a copy on my desktop that I can use. A lot of the stuff I do with the legal job is I get contracts and revise them. You know, I make my own like revisions to them. So I want a copy and then I work from that from the desktop. Then at the end of the day, I can I can automate where I'm going to put it. But um, so there's kind of two apps that saw, that scratch two different niches there: Yoink and Dropzone. Um, I don't know. Dropzone is probably part of setup because it you is. Know, every, uh, that's where I got it from. And I'm just <laughs> I'm just going to take a, a momentary diversion. Seeing as we're talking about Dropzone already, I also use Dropzone to install apps because what you can do is you can drag and drop a package file or a DMG file or even just a .app file onto it. And if it's a DMG or a package, then it will unpack those and and walk you through the process Um, and then get rid of those files at the end. It will automatically eject them and delete them. I didn't even know it did that. Yeah. So you can install plugins in DropZone. And this is where it gets super, super automation-y nerdy because I even have um, the ability to upload files to FTP. So I can upload the automator's file on Friday. As this episode goes out, I'll have done this by dragging it um, from that folder in Dropbox that we share over into DropZone and having it uploaded to Libsyn for us. 
um, in the background. Um, right. And that's I would like super you useful. to send me a, uh, a video of that because I'm going to start doing that. <laughs> but I'm not. Yes. I, it's tro- so send useful. me the details, Rose. <laughs> yes. Uh, so what you can do, I'm, I'm just going to explain a, l- a little bit on air. So if you open Drop Zone, then there should be a, a plus, and then you can add uh, different kinds of actions. And one of them is an FTP upload. And you yeah. can set that up. Um, and that is so useful. You also have messages and different stuff in there. So this is this is more of a way of, uh, you know, sharing things usually um but um most of these in the background are either uh i believe ruby or python scripts um and so if you know ruby or python then you can enhance these um and if you are good at googling and in general um you know like guessing what code might go together and you have some dummy files for test purposes then you can ha- then you can go ahead and, and modify these because they even have like email actions and stuff like that and if you if you're smart smarter than me because i haven't got around to this yet um, then you can set it up um, to to say, for example, email the file and then delete it, um, which is, you know, what we want to do because we want to clear this stuff up when we're done with it most of the time um, or save it somewhere in particular. Yeah, it's really and another thing you can do in Drop Zone. I guess we're kind of off on a little tangent here, but you can save items to the Drop Zone drop down and you can also do this with Yoink. But you can um, lock them into drop zones so they mm-hmm. don't accidentally get deleted later. And I, as a screencaster, I have images of the iPad and the iPhone that I overlay when I record a screencast. You know, like when I record a screencast of the iPhone, it's just the iPhone screen. It's not the actual iPhone frame around it. Mm-hmm. So then once I put it into ScreenFlow, I can just grab the frame out of drop zone and put it on top of the image in ScreenFlow. So it's just like always available for me. So if you've got like little, like maybe your company has a logo that you constantly are dropping into documents and things uh, with an app like drop zone or yoink, you could put them in there and just have the, it's like almost a permanent clipboard that's very easily accessible. Um, so that's kind of nice. Yeah, that's, it's a it's very useful tool, um, and there there are a few other apps as well where you can automatically upload things to specific uh, servers and stuff like that. But I personally find that between Drop Zone and Yoink, I am very happy. I've never actually used Drop Zone for the whole dragging and dropping files and temporarily storing it. I, I for some reason just really like Yoink and continue to use it for that. It's got a little special place in my heart. Well, it makes sense, and and frankly, Yoink is the one I normally do that on because of the iOS app. Uh, you know, I am constantly going between iPad and Mac. So um, I love that once I put it in, in Yoink, I've got it on all platforms. Dropzone doesn't do that. But, um, but you know, just to, you know, like, I, it's funny that both of us have settled on these two tools and there are quite a few out there. I didn't because we hadn't talked about this going in. Interesting. No, that that's the thing that for for the listeners at home, we did not really compare notes too much before we started. So we have an, an outline of our show, but we don't script this before we record it. We we yeah. we uh we hope that we don't over uh overrule the other person on our steal too many picks. So yeah, it's it's cool. This episode of Automators is brought to you by Flatiron School. Fall is in the air, and kids aren't the only ones going back to school. At Flatiron School, students are parents, musicians, travelers, and working professionals from all walks of life. Learn software engineering, UX or UI design, or data science at Flatiron School in just 15 weeks, and launch a new career with one-on-one support from their dedicated career coaches. Flatiron School stands behind their students with a money-back guarantee. Complete details are available in flatironschool.com terms. 
Flatiron School's committed instructors have both industry and teaching experience and are backed by master teachers and learning experience designers to ensure that you get the best possible support, whether you choose to learn on campus or online. This fall, pursue your passion and discover your potential and go back to school with Flatiron School. Get a head start with the free bootcamp prep course at flatironschool.com slash automators. See you in class. Our thanks to Flatiron School for their support of this show and Relay FM. Okay, so we, um, the one thing we didn't mention with this file management of the desktop is the most powerful tool is Hazel. And we did a whole show on file management automation, so we're not going to redo that here, but you could go listen to it if you'd like. Uh, but Hazel, by far, is the most powerful way to deal with file management because uh, you can set very specific conditions. You know, if it's a file that includes the name Rose and it's a PDF, put it in this folder. Uh, you know, I did a whole screencast um, field guide on Hazel. Um, I've done a ton of free stuff, too. If you go to Max Barking, Rose has done stuff on Hazel, too. It's just it's just an amazing tool. Um, I used to, before I knew about Hazel, I used to do, write Apple scripts to try and manage this stuff. Hazel does such a better job. It's more consistent. It's very easy and anybody can do it. You know, it's so you, like I said earlier, you can set multiple conditions and in the event the conditions are satisfied or not satisfied, it's very flexible. You can have it move, delete, uh, do just about any kind of file management thing you can think of with a file. So if I haven't made the sell for it yet, go download Hazel and try it because it is one of the most powerful Mac automation tools that anybody can use. While we're still talking about file cleanup, um, I do just want to mention as well that Hazel also has a, a feature that's only available in the downloads folder on your Mac, where it can automatically remove incomplete downloads after a specific time period. I don't know about you, but every time, every so often, my connection will will drop out when, especially when I'm traveling and I'm using hotel sure. Wi-Fi, and so that I end up with like everyone. three or four yeah. downloads of the same file in various different completion stages, and then the fifth one has, of course, got everything in, and that's the one that I use. But I, I'm not very good at cleaning those up by myself. So there's a, a nice feature in Hazel where it can automatically get rid of incomplete downloads. I've set mine to after a day, um, just in case, because some files can take a very long time to download. Um, but it, it works pretty nicely. And uh, that's it's useful to get your files cleaned up because I find if my files aren't cleaned up, then, well, everything else seems to go everywhere. Uh, I feel like an octopus. So, You know, something weird I do is I reset Safari to make the download location my desktop. Hmm. And uh, I've, I've been doing that for a long time. But it just, you know, when you put it in the downloads folder, I... You know, I, I'm a gadfly. I forget it's there, you know, and I just don't do anything with it. By putting it on the desktop, when I get to the end of the day, it just forces me to address whatever I've done today. You know, whatever I've downloaded, it gets. It's on the desktop. I need to get it. Usually, if it's like a client thing, I need to get it filed in the right place. I, I just don't want, you know, my download folder to become this, you know, rat's nest of files. What I do is my download folder is actually pinned at my dock. It's right next to the trash to make it nice and easy to drag stuff over. Um, but I have it display as um, the, the a stack instead of as a folder. So I can easily see that there's stuff in there that I need to deal with. Because when it's yeah. empty, it goes back to showing up as a folder. Um, yeah. And uh, it's, it's, it's really nice to just be able to click on that and then drag that, that one file that you need. Um, out somewhere. So for example, I, I think I need to add a drop zone action to to move the the automator's guest recordings into the right folder um, because we, we had one of those recently and uh, it's sitting in my downloads folder right now waiting for me to deal with it. 
Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, the another, A related subject is a large file management on your Mac. And we all have, you know, big files that we collect. As podcasters, you and I particularly have lots of big files. But, mm. you know, maybe you've got games you've downloaded or for work you've got large media projects. Um, it's easy to have these things on your drive buried in some subfolder somewhere and lose track of the fact they're there. And as your drive starts creeping towards being full, you don't know how to go find them and get rid of them. So there's some great tools for that. Once again, let's start with, you know, as Mac has done a better job of, of trying to address this, we'll go back to the about my Mac folder to the storage button and then the manage button. And there is an option there called, um, what is it? Uh, reduce clutter. And they've got their, uh, where it will assemble a list of large files on your device and let you look through them uh, by various criteria and, you know, delete some of them. Um, it by default arranges them by size. Like I've got a 43 gigabyte file, which is my final cut YouTube library. I need to break that apart. I don't need a 43 gigabyte file on my drive, you know, but the, um, so, you know, you've got stuff like that in there and, now look at that. See, I've got a series shortcuts video zip archive that JF sent me when we were working on that. It's eight gigabytes just sitting there, just using space. See, already yeah. learning things, you know, and they did a pretty good job with it. This is one where the native tool is actually pretty powerful. Um, you can look at by downloads as well. Um, they've got stuff in there, uh, support files for unsupported apps. Now that we've gone to 64 bit, mm -hmm. uh, you'll see a bunch of 32 bit apps that, there's a um, data in there. Uh, there's a 570 megabyte Abbey fine reader file, my, my Mac that is serving no purpose because it doesn't run anymore, you know? And then you can also just like look through by different file browsers, like, you know, Dropbox, you know, or whatever your big folders are. And you can look through there to see where the data hogs are. So um, using the built-in tool for this, you can actually find quite a bit. Yeah, I have to say, I, it's really useful to have this. And it's one of these things that if you didn't know it was there, you'd probably go and download another file to do it. And I'm pretty certain that Clean My Mac can also tell you about really large files that you have running around as well. Um, that said, I am still using my good old friend Omni Disk Sweeper, which is made by the yeah. Omni Group. Um, and it's a free tool that they offer. And it, you can just select a drive. And what I like is you can, you can run this on external drives as well, because you can select an external drive. And you can just go, hey, you go have a look at this and it'll come back and it'll tell you exactly what the biggest stuff is. And it doesn't limit it based on, um, you know, what kind of media it is. So for example, if I'm in my documents, it's just looking at my documents. It's not looking at applications. So it's not telling me that Creative Cloud is actually taking up a ton of space on this machine. And let's be honest, I probably don't need Creative Cloud on this particular machine actually, because I mostly just use it to record audio and the actual editing is done elsewhere. Yeah, I there's another there's a similar one that is a paid version. It's very pretty called Daisy Disk. Mm -hmm. uh, they were a sponsor of Mac Power Users years ago. I like it because it's got my wife's name in it. You know, that's kind of fun. Uh, yeah. But they they do these concentric circles. It's very it's a very nice way to find data hogs. And then Rose mentioned once again, clean my Mac. That's that app that is going to keep showing up. They've got a system to do the same thing. Theirs is also prettier than the Apple one. I think the Clean My Mac one is better for people who are not super nerdy. You know, I think because it does a better job of exposing the big files um, for you. So I would recommend that 
for mm-hmm. people that, you know, like if you've got someone in your life that, that is interested in getting a little bit better at this install, just install clean my Mac for them and it'll do all the work for them. Uh, but you know, if you're, you know, for the nerdier side of us, um, you can, you can do it on the Mac with this built-in tool or, or with one of the other tools that Rose and I talked about. Yeah. So if, if you're doing, uh, you know, maintenance on somebody else's machine this holiday season, because we're, we're all those people that get called on to do that and you want to do it as fast as you can and as automated as you can, either use the built-in Mac tools or, or install a copy of Clean My Mac on everyone's machine and just tell them to clean, click the button every once in a while. Um, and uh, that that's pretty much as automated as it gets. It's you you can you can get nerdy and fine grain it, but I find that it, it's pretty good at figuring out the large files that you haven't touched in a while and that you probably don't need. So I've, I've got a massive screen recording on here with sixteen gigabytes from March. I don't even remember doing this, <laughs> so yeah. I need to get rid of that. Well, that's something that we are both making mistakes here. Is I used to have an OmniFocus um, task that would. Um, that would repeat and tell me to go in and do this every few months. And I don't know, somehow that dropped off the radar <laughs> because mm-hmm. I must have deleted the task as opposed to marking it complete because I've got a bunch of stuff in here. After we finish recording today, I'm going to go open up a bunch of like a hundred gigs on my drive. <laughs> well, I'm still only half full, so I'm not, I'm not yet reaching the the point where I, I need to do, uh, you know, anything crazy, but there's definitely quite a few things in here that I'm looking at and going, yeah, I should really, you know, clear some of this stuff out. And at the very least, um, I'm, I'm going to move some of this stuff off of my machine and onto external storage. But you know, the thing is, Rose, it, it's it, almost the amount of free space is almost irrelevant to me. It just makes me mad that this stuff is on my drive when I don't need to have it on my droid <laughs> and on my drive. <laughs> Well, I mean, the one thing that's worse though than having big things on your drive that you don't need is having duplicates on your drive because yeah. that drives me insane. I'm there looking at it and I'm going, oh my gosh, why have I got six of this file in my downloads folder? Like, yeah, well, this makes zero sense. We have, a, we have a solution for that. Well, we have two <laughs> solutions for this because guess what? Hazel comes back again. Hazel's great. It can delete duplicate files within the same folder. And I love that so much because it's there going, hey, you just downloaded exactly the same file again. Wake up, delete it. And I'm yeah. there, and I'm about to click on it, and I'm like, wait, where did it go? Oh, it's down here. Oh, I downloaded it three hours ago. Okay, well, thank you, Hazel. <laughs> um, and it, it's really useful because it gets rid of those duplicates for you, and and that, that does make my life easier. And if, if you want to keep something because you're, you're modifying something, then, of course, you can just move it to another folder where that doesn't happen. So, for example, I don't have duplicate cleanup on my desktop because everything on my desktop gets moved elsewhere where the duplicate cleanup does happen. Uh, yeah. And if it's still a duplicate by the time it goes somewhere else, then it gets deleted. No, I, I agree. I agree. And then there's an app for that as well. You know, back to our old friends at MacPaw, the um, the app Gemini, which I made reference to earlier in the show, is a very user-friendly, very powerful deduplication tool. You know, mm-hmm. if you've got this is a this is a great tool, honestly. We we're talking about the holidays. When you're on like a family member's computer and they tell you that their drive is full. Yeah. Install a copy of Gemini on their computer, and I guarantee you will open up like somewhere between 10 and 25% of their drive. Yeah. Because everybody has a lot of junk on there, and Gemini goes through and finds it. It even goes through and finds um, duplicate pictures that are re- you know, relatively the same thing. It gives you the option to get rid of those. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be including it in the uh, photos field guide I'm working on right now. But the uh, Gemini is, is, in my opinion, the, the best deduplication tool on the Mac. 
Yes. Yeah. It's it's extremely useful and it's got a, a visual comparison as well. So for example, in the case of the pictures, you can you can look at it and you can go, are these actually the same? Yes, they very clearly are the same picture of the pavement that I took when I was walking because I accidentally clicked the wrong button on my iPhone. Um, and then you can actually find that in Finder and just delete it instead of uh, deleting just the duplicate. So you can get rid of all the copies if you want to. And this is an area where automation makes so much sense because going through getting rid of duplicates manually is not only tedious, it's also dangerous. It's very easy to make mistakes when you do yeah. this. Very good to, to, to farm that out to software that's a little bit uh, better at managing this stuff than we are. Yeah. human. There are certain things humans aren't very good at. This is one of them. Yeah. Let's round out finder automation. Um, you know, um, the idea of automatic project folder creation. We talked about this with Don McAllister a month or two ago. He talked about this app post haste, which mm-hmm. is a kind of a unit tasker app that creates a whole folder setup for you. If you do a bunch of projects, uh, this is a, I think this is probably the app for you. It'll do it. Uh, you can also do something like that via keyboard maestro, even Apple script. I used to have an automator script. I ran that created a bunch of folders but it was a little hard because Automator is hard to pass variables to Automator, so I couldn't really get it to do it exactly the way I wanted. Um, but you could absolutely do this with Apple Script. Yeah. Um, and I, I have to say, I've been running this uh, with Keyboard Maestro for quite some time um, just because it's very good at doing things like that. Um, though um, I, I have to say, uh, in one case, I kind of cheated and I'm using Keyboard Maestro and Hazel. And that's because what I do is I, I use ha- uh, Keyboard Maestro um, to, to help me rename some files. Um, and then Hazel sorts it into a subfolder, which will create a subfolder for me yeah. if one is not there. And I have to say that that combination there is very useful for in this particular case, I'm looking at podcasting projects. Um, yeah. So whenever I create a new podcast episode, then it automatically goes, hey, here's a new folder, done. Um, and I don't need to think about it. So so, so walk us through what you're doing. So, so what I do is um, when the episode finishes recording, then Keyboard Maestro is watching that folder. Um, and it goes, hey, you, you have a new episode of Automators. Or hey, you have a new episode of Nested Folders. Um, which episode number is this? Um, and then I, I type in the episode number and I hit okay and it moves it to another folder. Let me interrupt there just for a second. And so the way, how does it know that you just finished recording? Uh, that is a very good question. I believe Keyboard Maestro, and I'm just having a look to see. Um, I, uh, so I think what it does is it checks that the file hasn't been edited in the last minute or so. And this is another thing that, um, of course, uh, Hazel can do as well. Um, but in this case, I wanted to use the GUI in Keyboard Maestro because I'm also using the variables there. So it's looking for the existence of a file. I just just wanted to get across the audience. It's like the creation of a file is what kicks everything off. Yes. Uh, so it, it, it waits for me to have, uh, created a file, um, or added a file to that folder. So I can also move things into it. And then it pops up and it asks me and it uses a variable so that it can reuse that variable next time. So I usually just have to increment by one. So for example, yeah. the, the last episode that we recorded was 36, this is 37. Um, and uh, so I can I can just up, increase that number by one. And that makes my life a little bit easier um, unless we record episodes out of order, which occasionally happens. But that's something I can deal with. Like today. Yeah, exactly. Like today and yesterday. Um, uh, so yeah, so then um, Keyboard Maestro moves this to a specific folder. And then 
Hazel knows that it needs to move it into a different folder, but then it uses this sort into subfolder. So what it does is it, it matches part of the file name, which is the episode number, and then yeah. it, it just moves it um, into a subfolder. And that's really useful. You can also sort into subfolders based on dates. So you could have, for example, 2019 and then like a, a 12 for the December uh, if you wanted to. Uh, but but I do like the idea of combining folder creation into that. And that's yes. something that, you know... Um, Everybody could automate this. It's, it's just something a lot of people need. And it's just not that difficult. And like I said, and if all else fails, if you're listening to the show and you're scratching your head saying this is too complicated, just go download that app, Post Haste, you know, and it'll do yeah. it for you. Yeah, it, Post Haste is excellent. I've been playing with that as well for some other projects um, for recording videos with Screencast Online. Actually, I stole that from Don, seeing as he's doing it. And it's been really useful. Uh, that combined with the Zapier's app to, to make a folder in Dropbox, which is then um, how I kick the whole thing off because everything goes in there. Uh, yeah. d- that saves my bacon. Yeah, crazy. This episode of The Automators is brought to you by ExpressVPN. We all know how a VPN protects your privacy and security online, but did you know it can take your TV watching to the next level by unlocking movies and shows that are available in other countries? That means you can use ExpressVPN to binge on Doctor Who or Star Trek on the UK Netflix. You know, I was just thinking about this because the Disney Plus is not available in the UK and The Mandalorian is awesome. And my friend Rose can't watch it. But if she uses ExpressVPN, she could. She could just spoof that she's in the United States, get her Disney Plus account and watch The Mandalorian. So just fire up ExpressVPN app. Change your location to whatever country it's available to, and then refresh refresh Netflix, and that's it. So ExpressVPN hides your IP address so you can control where you want sites to think you're located, and you can choose from almost 100 different countries. Just think about all that Netflix library you can go through. So if you love anime, you can use ExpressVPN to access Japanese Netflix. And it's not just Netflix. ExpressVPN works with any streaming service, Hulu, BBC Player, uh, iPlayer, YouTube, whatever you want. And there are hundreds of VPNs out there, but ExpressVPN is ridiculously fast, which you want when you're watching shows. There's no buffering, no lag. You can stream in HD. ExpressVPN is also compatible with all your devices, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and more. So you can watch what you want wherever you want. Uh, I'm a big user of ExpressVPN. I'm getting ready to go away for a week as we record the show, and I guarantee you ExpressVPN will be with me the entire time. Now, if you visit the special link right now, expressvpn.automators, you'll get three extra months free with a one-year package. So go ahead and check it out, download it, get started. You just press a button and you're good to go. You can support the automators. Watch what you want and protect yourself at ExpressVPN slash automators. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of automators and all of Real AFM. So we've gone through files. And I think we've covered files pretty thoroughly here. So what's next, David? We have a little interlude uh, before we get on. I I wanted to talk about your calendar we did a show on calendar automation but you're doing something different with calendars and ics files that i thought was interesting why don't you talk about that well it's very simple um in in many ways because what happens is i uh, so there's a, a really great public transport system here in vienna and they have a website where you can download uh your planned trip as an ics file and that's great except then this ics file lands in downloads um, and then what do you do with it? Well, then you have to remember to open it and you have to add it to your calendar um, and you have to click OK. 
And it starts to feel like a lot of steps to just do something that really ought to be maybe one click. So what I do is I have it download uh, the file to download. And then Hazel uh, just opens this in the calendar app for me. Um, and the, the step that I'm looking at automating next is um, that it it will actually uh, use an Apple script or something to hit that enter button and just add it to my default calendar. Ideally, I would like to add it to a specific travel calendar, but really I'm not fussy. Providing it ends up in a calendar in my calendar that I can see, I'm, I'm pretty happy. And just opening it in calendar is pretty good. But then what I do is when it's been in there for two hours, it gets deleted from the trash. Um, because yeah. within those two hours, um, I should have been able to add it to my calendar. And if not, it's usually in memory, so I can just click click OK later. Yeah, see, the problem with me is I don't like getting invites. So <laughs> I, uh, maybe I need to make a Hazel rule that ha- says if it has an ICS file, just send it to trash. <laughs> <laughs> well, in this case, I'm explicitly going and I'm looking it up. It's usually for travel to the airport and things like that. Yeah, yeah, um, and I've, I've tried using shortcuts to input this information into my calendar before, and I just don't do it. Um, and I don't know what's wrong with me because I love playing with shortcuts. So why don't I just do this? Um, yeah. But instead, I, I found that the, the correct solution for me is why I download it from the website have Hazel just open the darn thing in calendar because then I will actually hit okay because my calendar yeah. will be right there in front of me in my face and all I have to do is press return. If yeah. I want to go crazy and change the calendar on it to my preferred travel calendar, I can, but I don't have to. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. But uh, let's move on to the next one. I want to talk about window management and this is another thing that automators need to be on top of because uh, with these, whether you've got a big screen uh, in like a 27 inch iMac or you're like me, you've got a 27 inch iMac plus, you know, additional screens on top of that. Um, or you're, you're running a very small laptop window management is something you need to be thinking about. I thought I'd just kind of talk through what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the I used to use Moom, which was a really great app for window management. And it had some ways that you can create setups and kind of save them as in essence scripts to run. But over the years, I've, I've really switched that over to keyboard maestro. Uh, I did a video. We'll put a link in the show notes of a video. I did uh, less than a year ago, explaining how to set these up with keyboard maestro, but they're very powerful. Um, and to me, um, a lot of things work in like half screens. So like on my main iMac screen, I want to be able to very easily make an app on the left or the right side. Mm-hmm. And then I've got these vertical monitors on either side, and I want to either put something on the top or the bottom. And there's a very easy uh, keyboard master script you can create for the currently active window. Um, the keyboard shortcuts I use is are the three buttons to the left of the space bar. You know, what is it? Control, option, command. So if I put control option command left arrow whatever the current app is it's the left side of the screen right arrow is the right side of the screen the down arrow is 75 percent of the screen you know like sometimes you want it wider than middle and the up arrow is full screen without being full screen if that makes sense mm-hmm. you know there's a full screen mode where it takes yeah. over a screen but this is just full screen but then if i hold down the the control and the option keys which are the the left two of those three keys, I can hit the up or down and it goes on the top or the bottom of my left monitor. Mm-hmm. And, and if I hold the option, contr- I'm sorry, the option command keys, an up or down arrow, that's the right monitor, the top or bottom of the right. So in my head, um, uh, you know, I don't even think about it anymore. I can mm-hmm. you know push windows anywhere I want. 
And that's really powerful automation because as you're getting through your day, the ability to say, okay, I'm done looking at this, but I need it accessible to me, you know, and then automatically put it in the lower left screen. Uh, you're good, you know, and um, that's the kind of stuff that saves you a ton of time. Definitely. I really like that. I have a 32-inch ultra widescreen monitor at work. And if you make any app full screen on that and it doesn't have text wrapping, then you will get a headache trying to read from left to right because 32 inches, you know, diagonally of text is just way too much. So I never use that with just one application in full screen. If If I am using full screen, I always drag a second application into it. But most of the time, I actually use Better Touch Tool. Um, because Better Touch Tool has the these areas that you can create. And when you drag an app, um, then or if you drag a window, it will show these areas temporarily. And if you drag an app into that, then it will resize it to whatever it is that you've set. So because my, my monitor is so wide, I've actually got a couple of different options. I have, um, I have my 50% left and right, which I still rarely use because it's still a lot of screen space, actually. Um, yeah. But I also have vertical thirds. Um, and then every so often I do need a lot more space with one app. Um, and I, I'm not using the full screen, proper full screen version. So what I do is I, I have, uh, some different ones where I can have a left two third or a right two third. And these just sit on the bottom around the dock area. Uh, I do have my dock at the bottom of the screen, Stephen Hackett, please don't send me an email. Um, <laughs> uh, but, um, it, 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 works really well for me because I've got these little, these little floating areas. And if I drag an app into there, it just resizes it to that area that I've pre-specified already. And I really like that. And I still use the corners to drag things into, to, to make them into quarters. Um, as well, because every so often I need that. And I find that to be a very useful setup for me, especially the three apps split on one screen. That's really useful. For example, I'll often have like my FTP application, a text editor and terminal or a browser, a text editor and terminal um, so that I can be editing one of my my web projects at work. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and a related subject, which I cover at great length in the Keyboard Maestro Field Guide is setups where... This is another type of automation where you take the power of organizing windows, but then you organize specific windows. Like if I'm going to start a podcast, um, I have a podcast setup where it puts the, uh, you know, the quip document where Rose and I talk on one screen and it puts the advertiser um, ad notes on another screen and it, it puts the recording tools, you know, in view, but not in the way. And it just sets everything up exactly the way I want. Well, I've done that for all the things I do in my life. I do it for podcasts. I've got it for doing legal work. I've got it for making screencasts. I've got it for writing and research. So whatever I want to do, it's just a great feeling to just hit one button. And with Keyboard Maestro, you can do it with palettes. That's the way I do it. This is too much for a podcast. But you you press one keyboard combination, you get a a selection list on the screen. You just pick which thing you're going to do, and then you can do it. And... And one of the big uses I found for the Stream Deck, that's this new gizmo I've got that I'm going to be talking about in the free update to the Keyboard Maestro Field Guide. It's You plug it in, and it's basically a, a panel of buttons that you can put custom icons behind. Is I put all these setups on buttons, and it's really great because I just, I don't know, even though I could do it through a palette, this is one where I like having the little button. I just press the button, and then I can start working. It's, it's very powerful. How many buttons do you have on your stream deck? I have the 32 button one. Okay. And how many buttons are dedicated to setting up your windows how you like them? The top row. 
the okay. eight buttons. Yeah. Okay, so, that, that's quite a few buttons. I'm very tempted yeah. to get a Stream Deck. It, it's on my Christmas wish list. I'm not sure if I'll be getting it, but I may buy it for myself as a Christmas or birthday present. Yeah, you know, it's not necessary, you know, but it's nice to have, you know. Like, like I said, the palettes and keyboard maestro are very powerful. The, this uh, actually requires me to take my hands off the keyboard, but but setup changes are usually what I'm doing as I sit down. And there's something mm-hmm. very satisfying. As you sit down, you press the email processing button or the customer support button, and everything comes up to do all your customer support stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's just on your screen, and you can just start doing it. And it's, it's a good way, I guess, the experience I have is it allows me to avoid getting sidetracked. I think when I first sit down on my computer, it's a very easy time to find myself drifting into the web browser or Amazon mm-hmm. or someplace where I would get sidetracked. Yes. Yeah, I, I find that as well. I sit down and it's like, oh, I'll just quickly check Twitter. And then like three hours later, it's like, wait, what rabbit hole did I fall into? Well, there was yeah. Mary Poppins and there was something about this word Mandalorian. I still don't know what that is. And I'm very like, I don't want to oh, Google Rose, it in case Rose. I find spoilers. Here's the thing. Oh, I don't want so spoilers. Good. Yeah, um, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give any spoilers because I'm gonna tell everybody, please watch this. It's so good. Even if you're not a Star Wars fan, it's so fun. Anyway. Well, I'm waiting. Apparently it should be out here in Austria, I think later this year or early next year. I'm hoping that yeah. they've heard that January eleventh is my birthday and I'm a big Disney person. Uh so I I should get it for my birthday. Like that that's the thing, right? That's how this works. So I'll cross my fingers. I don't know what the story is, why they couldn't get that out everywhere, but boy. I'm pretty certain it's a licensing agreement that they yeah, agreed to with the content. Law- but yeah. Law- yeah, lawyer lawyers ruin everything. <sighs> David Sparks. Oh well. Okay, so uh we we have window management and there are there are a lot of windows. I, I don't know how many windows are up on my Mac. Um, but one other thing I want to say about window management is I also uh, use Keyboard Maestro frequently at the end of the day to close down a lot of the applications that I have running. Um, so, for example, I when I when I Skype, um, I I actually plug my my uh, Zoom H4N Pro into into my Mac, and that runs a Keyboard Maestro macro that opens a bunch of windows for me. But I don't yet have one that says, "Hey, when the key when this unplugs." close all these windows for me. Um, but at the end of the day, I have uh, a macro that will go through and it will close things like Skype and Audio Hijack unless I'm actively using my computer. Um, so that that's the trick, you making sure that you're not actively using it because I have podcasted at odd hours of the day before and there would be nothing worse than being in the middle of a recording and then suddenly Keyboard Maestro goes, bye-bye, Audio Hijack. And you're there going, no, we just lost half of an episode. Yeah, yeah. And... Um... That that idea of a setup for shutdown is a good one. Like I, I have that, I have a button that does that too, and just kind of like clearing the decks for your computer. I mean, this is your work device. Why not have it automatically kind of clean itself up for you at the end of the day? And this is all stuff that you would never do manually, but if you create automation for it, it makes a difference. I actually wrote an article on uh, getting your your Mac to start up your day with Keyboard Maestro um, on the Sweet Setup. So I will put a link to that in the show notes as well because it details it. And I'm pretty certain there was a link to the Keyboard Maestro macro as well for you to download it Yeah, um, as a sample. Cool. You want to talk about the cloud? Yeah, because I think the cloud is one of these things where, especially I have two terabytes of Dropbox storage space. 
I have no idea how I ended up with one, two terabytes of Dropbox storage space. I know I signed up for one terabyte and they upgraded they me at some it. point. Yeah, they doubled but it. Yeah. I, I don't know what to do with two terabytes of Dropbox storage space. So I end up with a ton of stuff in there. And they have this new smart sync feature. Um, yeah. So there, there are two options with Dropbox where you can say um, either don't sync this file, this folder to my device, or there's this kind of alias thing where it looks like the file is on your device. And then when you click it, if it's not actually on your device, it will download it. I've forgotten the name of this feature, um, but I think it's Smart Sync or so, yeah, Smart yeah. Sync and Selective Sync are the two options. And I have been using those a lot because I have two terabytes of Dropbox storage space and I have a 512 gigabyte SSD. Um, yeah. And actually all of my machines have a 512 gigabyte SSD. Um, and so I literally couldn't download the entire contents of my Dropbox if I had two terabytes of it, stuff in yeah, there, even if I wanted people. to. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I turn off this, a lot of things because for example, I don't need the entire back catalog of automators stored on every single one of my Macs. It's not necessary. So I, I turn that off on most of my Macs and then I only have the files that we've recently recorded and they're actively being edited. Um, so, you know, we're going through and adding chapter markers and stuff because I feel that that's a very good way of helping clean up your machine without you having to lose data or worry about actually moving it off somewhere else. Because in our case, we want to keep this available for both of us. Um, I would never want, you know, us to lose episodes of automators. That would be terrible. Um, even though technically we can redownload them from other places. It's still good to have the audio in our control. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I think that the problem you describe is one a lot of people have. It's like, yeah. you know, we've got, smaller drives than we have cloud storage so you can't have it download everything and dropbox and both icloud have ways to do this and um but but figuring that out, i i think the dropbox tools are kind of fidgety mm-hmm. and i think the icloud tools are kind of cryptic you know yeah well <laughs> so, icloud is is very mystical it it, move, it removes stuff from your machine if you haven't used it in a while which then means if you fly a lot like i do and you're not going to have wi-fi on the plane you have to go through and open all your documents like while you're on wi-fi before you get on the plane because otherwise you'll get on the plane and be like well this file didn't download and i can't work on it now that's not very helpful yeah yeah it sucks that's yes. what it does i mean they, they both like need to be fixed but yeah so there's some automation you can yeah. do around this but the other automation that I do is I do a lot of things with Is This and That or Zapier um, because I, I have things automatically create folders for me or um, automatically add files based on certain things. Um, and this is a really good way to kick stuff off because then I have, so for example, whenever I get assigned a new video at Screencast Online, one of the things that my Zapier Zap does is it creates a new folder in Dropbox for me. Um, and then I know that I have that folder and that's where all of my documents can go. And uh, that's where I'm now using post haste to set stuff up so that stuff goes into that folder. But that folder has the correct name so that it's got the right show number and everything in that title. And that's in Dropbox. And then when when I'm finished with it, then I can just untick it and it won't be synced on my machine anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I find it very useful, especially in combination with other things like Keyboard Maestro or uh, Hazel to, to get stuff sorted out. So you can have stuff just come into like an inbox folder somewhere and then get moved. Well, I want to talk about cloud and automation that when we get to a problem we're solving, because that's something that's on my mind. But I'm going to kind of put a pin in that one for now. Well, we've got we've got a topic here about controlling your Mac from another device. You yeah. know, um, what are you talking about with that one? Well, I have a Mac Mini. Um, and I love it and it's amazing. And one of the very many things I, I do with it is I leave it on pretty much all the time. So it's doing stuff in the background for me, like 
running Hazel stuff to tidy up my files or keep all my show macros to create folders and things like that for me. Um, but that means that when I use it in the evening, it tends not to turn itself off. And if it's not muted, then you'll wake up at two o'clock in the morning and go, what was that ding? Oh, I got a new email. Um, and there's nothing worse than waking up at two o'clock in the morning because you got an email, unless it's very, very, very important. Um, and you, you don't want that. So what I do is I have some keyboard maestro macros that will, uh, sleep my displays or mute my machine. And, um, I have an NFC tag next to my bed. And when I get into bed, I just have my phone on the NFC tag. Um, and it does a bunch of things. It lowers the display brightness on my phone. Um, and it makes sure that any timer, uh, toggle timers have been stopped. What two of the things it does is it mutes my Mac and it tells this displays to go to sleep so that I don't have weird bright lights coming in from the front room because it turns out both of my displays were on full brightness um, while I'm asleep. Uh, and that just happens as part of my bedtime routine. And you're doing that through the Keyboard Maestro app? Yeah, uh, no, I'm actually using the webhooks there um, yeah, okay. to do this. So I just, I, so you can create uh, macros in Keyboard Maestro and you can say, let me trigger this via a webhook. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you can just co- open that URL, essentially. Um, yeah, and I do exactly. that with a get contents of URL, so it happens in the background. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Although, I, I would think that if you've got that remote machine, I would have it muted all the time. Why well, do you... I, the thing is, is it, it's not just it's not just sitting around as a server. I use this, it, you know, it's got a lot of RAM in it, it's got a great processor. Um, sure. And I, I sit down at it and I, I edit video and audio and things like that before... I send it off to people. Um, and sometimes I'm doing this on speakers and sometimes I'm using headphones. But if I unplug my headphones, because if you're editing video and audio, you probably want to plug in your headphones to avoid d- delay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that makes sense. And so I then unplug my headphones and put them away so that next time I go to podcast, I can just grab my headphone case uh, because I podcast on a different machine. But then I forget to mute my Mac. Um, and I could probably set something up that says, hey, if my, if my headphones disconnect, you know, mute my Mac. But sometimes I don't want that. Um, and so I, I just, I mute my Mac until it's displays to go to sleep every time I go to bed. Um, and that works for me. That's an excellent example use of a webhook, by the way. Yeah. They do caution on the Keyboard Maestro um, instructions for this that you should make sure it's doing something that isn't malicious so it's not going to start deleting files on your machine because it is it is just calling a URL and it's security through obscurity. Yeah, anybody with that URL can trigger it. So Exactly. So, And I figure by, by muting my machine and sleeping my displays, um, you know, it, it's not the end of the world if somebody does find those URLs and figure that out and I can regenerate them anyway if I need to, so... It's just suddenly Rose's machine just starts turning dark and getting quiet like yeah. multiple times a day, then you probably need a new webhook. And I should also mention that I specifically have these macros in a group that only triggers on that machine. Um, and so I have different groups in Keyboard Maestro. Um, and I have four machines that I, I'm running Keyboard Maestro, and I've got a couple of licenses running around for that. Four? Uh, yeah, four. I have two work wait, machines wait, and two wait. personal machines. Okay, gotcha. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, so it, it adds up pretty quickly when you have a laptop and a desktop and a laptop and a desktop. Um, yeah. And uh, two of them are not mine. I should point out two of them do belong to work. Um, so, But um, this, I, I have different groups, so those groups only trigger on those machines. And when you create a group, then you can you can untick it and say or tick it and say disabled on this Mac. So the first thing I did was I created the group and said and disabled it on all of my Macs, um, which took a day because I had to remember that I had one, I had two work machines at work and I didn't go to work that day, so I had to wait another day uh, because I didn't want to accidentally be be doing something to machines that I wasn't intending to do that to when I run those macros. 
I, I would like to take a minute to talk about some of our favorite just automation uh, utilities for the Mac. And the the first one that we've mentioned many times throughout the show um, is Clean My Mac. It's just mm-hmm. it, Clean My Mac does so much, and they keep adding to it. You know, they now not only does it you know empty out your trash and look for you know translation files and look for large files you can delete it even now looks for malicious software on your mac for you they you know they've just done such a great job of combining everything in one tool and building a user interface that just about anybody can use i mean like i have installed clean my mac on relatives computers that are not you know tech savvy and it does a good job. It reminds them once a month that it, they need to run it. And when they run it, it does a good job of explaining it. And it, it, you know, it does my job for me. So whenever I go to Thanksgiving and I, I'm at their house, I don't have to like figure out what the problem is with their computer. A lot of times clean my Mac is, is managed it for me, but I also use it on my own because I think it's, it's nice to have something doing this for me. Years ago, we used to talk about the maintenance scripts that used to have to run on a Mac, but clean my Mac does so much more than all that stuff. So I think if there was one utility app I'd, I'd recommend out of this show for automating the stuff, it would be Clean My Mac. But Rose, I know you have a really cool automation app you would recommend too. Yeah, I use Trip Mode, and that's one that hasn't come up yet in this episode. Um, but it's again, it's available on Setup um, as one of their their apps, or you can buy it independently. And essentially, what it does is you can say, "Hey, when I connect to this Wi-Fi network." throttle the data on my Mac and don't let this app or that app or the other app access the internet or only let these three apps access the internet. And this is really, really useful when you're tethering to your phone or you're on a hotel Wi-Fi and it's slow. And, you know, especially if you're if you're using a VPN and for security reasons um, or because you need to access a particular network at work, that can slow things down even further if you're on a poor connection. Um, And so it's really nice to be able to go through and and just say, hey, no, you know what? I actually, I only need access to my, to Windows Remote Desktop, for example, or is it Microsoft Remote Desktop? They keep changing the name on me. Um, And and everything else does not get access while I'm on this network. And then you can turn that off later if if you're willing to go back to a slower internet. But it just really helps with making sure that you're only allowing internet access for the applications that you want. There is another application as well called Little Snitch, which can also do this, but it can be a lot more complex to set up. And I have to say, I like Trip Mode just for its simplicity. Yeah, and I even use Trip Mode when I podcast because I just it automatically shuts off the the background Dropbox sync and things like that. So there's all sorts of uses for it. Like if you are doing something where bandwidth is king, mm-hmm. um, even on a computer that's plugged into a wall and you know connected to the internet, Trip Mode can have a use. I also find it's great because it remembers the networks as well. So if you've connected to that network before and and you set up a preference, it will automatically do that for you. All right, I'm going to open up setup. Let me see if trip mode is on setup. It is. It is, of course. (laughs) I don't, you know, this show is not sponsored by MacPaw, but it it feels like it. (laughs) (laughs) I I, Actually, if if you're looking for a Christmas present for somebody and they're they're a Mac user, you might want to consider getting them a couple of months of setup just because there are some really great apps in there and it gives you an opportunity to explore stuff at a a very affordable price. Um, And I'm going to be getting setup for my dad for Christmas. My mom barely uses her Mac anymore. She's almost entirely iPad only, but my dad uses his Mac a lot and he's always interested in exploring new tools. Um, and also it means that I get to install clean my Mac on his machine and run some cleanup on there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Hey, freelancers, do you want to save 192 hours? Our friends at FreshBooks can help you do just that with their super simple cloud accounting software. By simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and getting paid online, FreshBooks has drastically reduced the amount of time it takes for over 10 million people to deal with their paperwork. Their new notification center is like your personal assistant. You'll always know what's changed in your business since you last looked in and what you have to deal with right now. When you email a client an invoice, FreshBooks can show you whether or not they've seen it, which puts an end to that guessing game. If you're listening to this and you're not using FreshBooks yet, now is the time to try it. FreshBooks are offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for listeners of this show. No credit card required. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com automators and enter automators in the how did you hear about us section. We thank FreshBooks for their support of this show and Relay FM. Okay, uh, I always like to talk about some of the automation problems we're solving or, or working on. You got any this month? Oh, yes. (laughs) I'm just looking in my shortcuts. And uh, I've actually got a couple of little ones. Um, And uh, the first one is actually one that I I made for uh, Micah Sargent. He's a fellow host on Relay FM. He hosts Call Clies here. Um, But he also hosts a couple of shows over on the Twit Network. And I was a guest on iOS Today um, the other day. And I... Uh, one of the things that we we did is we talked about a bunch of writing apps and I had a ton of writing apps I wanted to talk about. And then I realized I had to find like app store links for them and how much they cost. And I was there going, hmm, I can automate this. And I have to say, I did automate this with shortcuts. Um, and I just made a little shortcut. Yeah, the, the shortcut, can I just say that the shortcuts app store automation is really powerful. Oh, I mean, it's people so realize that You can yeah. pull the icon out, you can get the links, the everything. Exactly. Yeah, so you can do all of this. Um, and I, I just thought that this was really useful because what you can do is, in this case, uh, we were filling in a, a spreadsheet. Um, and um, so I just asked for the App Store app, split it into a bunch of, of rows because that's what it is, and went through each one, searched the App Store, let you select it. And then on your clipboard at the end, it puts a nice list of the name of the app with a tab and then the price and then at, at, uh, another tab and then the store URL. Um, and that saved me so much time, like opening the app store and copying the link and pasting the link and typing the price. Only I'm not in the US app store, so I would have had to log out of my app store and change region and stuff like that. It would have been a lot of work to do that, but I did it in two minutes and shortcuts. Yeah, that, that's a nice one. Uh, yeah. If you're doing anything involving the app store, you should take a minute to to just look at the tools and shortcuts because you, you can literally do anything like I have a thing where when I'm working on an app that I want to write up in Max Sparky, it pulls the the icon out, and it you know just gets me a bunch of information on things that normally would would take a lot of manual clicks and drags. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's really useful. I'll tell you the one I'm working on. I don't think I have this problem solved yet. Is um, I've decided I'm not really happy with my system for the law practice with. Um, clients, because I have a lot of projects that I work on with clients where we've got a bunch of email and documents and notes and things going around. And then uh, these transactions take, you know, sometimes some somewhere between one and six months to finish. And then they're kind of like done, but then maybe two or three years later, they want to know, I mean, what did we do here? Or, you know, they want some specific about that old transaction. And uh, historically, I would do that with a combination of Apple Mail and and file and folder storage. And, and you know, I'd have all this stuff in these different places. And I've decided I'm just going to put this stuff in Basecamp. You know, Basecamp is so good at keeping the stuff together 
But Basecamp is a web tool and it's not as automation friendly. Like I can't make a Hazel rule necessarily to save stuff to the right folder in Basecamp. It's very manual when you go mm-hmm. through it to, to create a folder. You have to click a button and type in the new name and yeah. But I have been looking very carefully at some of the Zapier tools for Basecamp, and I'm starting to automate Basecamp to the best extent I can. There's still some things that are going to require some manual work, but but the big problem being solved with this change, and I'm you know trying to do it as we head into the new year to have this all in place, um, is is worth the lack of automation for some of it. But I am finding. Um, through a combination of chewing gum and scotch tape that I'm actually being getting better at automating web service, which isn't the same set of tools you would use to automate a Mac. No, it's not. I have to say, I, I also do some things with, with Basecamp. Some of the companies that uh, I've been writing for uh, use Basecamp to, to give us a big overview, especially with the, the different boards and the different projects that we're working on. Um, but as you mentioned, it's kind of difficult to automate, especially they use OAuth um, for... Uh, authentication, which is a great protocol, nothing against OAuth, but it's something that you can't easily do in shortcuts unless you set up something on your own server that can act as a gateway, for want of a better word. Yeah. Um, and I, I was not willing to do that. I can do that. I have the technical skills to do it, but I just can't be bothered. I, I have too many other things to do with my time. So what I do is I use Zapier uh, for that particular one. And I, I actually have drafts ping Zapier um, and it sends it a title and a link to a shared Dropbox folder because I can't be bothered to figure out how to to upload all the the I could upload the the article content no problem but the uploading the images as well is not something that I figured out how to do yet but if I put it in a Dropbox folder as as it turns out that's easier because there's a a button in Dropbox where you can just say download everything yeah. um, so that that makes it easier for the other people involved as well um, so I'm I, I'm proxying that through Zapier which works great for me I have to say. Um, it may not work perfectly for everybody, but for what I need it for, it definitely works. And Basecamp is starting to become more of a tool that I enjoy using. Uh, and, and setting up your own OAuth server, it's like you know that's going to break after a month. And it's yeah. like it's going to be a constant project to keep that going. So it's exactly. not even worth starting. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the one of the tricks of automation is knowing what holes not to go down. Definitely. I mean, as it is, I I, I, I actually uh, have been working on some authentication stuff at my day job recently, so I'm pretty certain I wouldn't have a problem with it. But why would I do that when I can just proxy it through Zapier, which also adds everything to Airtable for me and does a bunch of other things all at the same time? And yeah. I should mention that uh, Basecamp recently released a free personal plan for everybody. It was previously just for students, and you had to send in proof of being a student. Now it's for everybody, so uh, everybody can have a play with Basecamp. And it's it's got a lot of automation options. It has webhooks and stuff, so you can do a lot of things with things like Zapier as well. Yeah, and I can see where, because I feel like in some ways it's like a regression for automation because some of the stuff just is very manual. Like, But the um, uh, for me, it's solving some problems that I just wasn't getting solved any other way. But but that's where, you know, the automator superpowers come in handy. When you see a challenge like that, you say, okay, well, where can I add automation and make this a little easier? Definitely. And I, I have to say, it's one of these things where it's fun to actually sit down a little bit and play with these things, especially as it comes to the end of the year, you may not be feeling the most productive um, when you're sitting in the office or sitting in front of your computer if you don't have an office. Um, and so it might be a good time to take that chance to sit down and go, hey, what what can I set up automation-wise ready for next year so that I can really make sure that next year is running the way it should? 
Like I'll, I'll tell you one, here's a very simple one. I'm not even sure this qualifies as automation, but Basecamp has a very robust template system. So mm-hmm. even though I can't automate generating folders, I've, I've got like eight different templates for different types of client projects now. And each one has an entire folder structure that it builds automatically as soon as I create the project. And that is a form of automation, but just a little different than the way we're, we typically talk about it on the automators. Yes, and it's a really good one. And that's something that I'm working on as well. I was there trying to figure out the other day, how, to, how do I create an Apple script that automatically creates uh, a new MindNote document? And then I realized I can just put a blank MindNote document in post-haste and use it. And yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to automate it. So that's something I'm working on. And I'm hoping that I'll have that one ready to talk about in, in our uh, what we've recently been working on part of our next episode. Maybe, maybe yeah. I'll, I'll need a couple more episodes to get there on that. Yeah, I mean, template documents are the ultimate automation that as you get more advanced in automation, you neglect to do, you know, yeah. because, you know, it really isn't that hard. You know, I, no. I create a new client file and depending on what type of company they are, like a bunch of the documents I need to run that company are already made. You know, it's just that that's the best automation. And then once you combine it with some of the um, the stuff you can do in Keyboard Maestro, you can actually just push a button and have it go in and customize each document. So it's it's pretty awesome. Yeah. And yeah, that, that if you're looking for a small place to get started, uh, definitely templates. <laughs> that's yeah. what you need. And that's great for Mac management as well, because you can have it automatically, you know, have a bunch of templates and use something like Post-Haste, uh, which is very, very simple to set up. You, you create your structure once and then you, 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 you type in exactly what it is that you wanted to do. And it just goes and it does it. And it's very simple to understand. So that, that's a great way to get started. See, I'm aware of it because Don talked about it. I haven't downloaded it yet. I need to try post-haste, I guess. I downloaded it, and I have to confess, that's one of the things that I'm setting up for my my ScreenFlow, uh, my ScreenCast Online automation. Because if Don uses yeah. it for ScreenCast Online, I can totally cheat and steal it from him, right? <laughs> is that one on setup? Probably. <laughs> no, but I think, I, I, if I remember correctly, post-haste is actually free. I'm just double-checking that right now for everybody. Uh, post-haste, Digital Rebellion. It's a free project management tool. There we go. It says right so in the Google description. It is free. I knew I downloaded it and installed it. I didn't remember paying for it. Well, I'm going to to do that today. (laughs) There we go. Well, folks, uh, that was kind of a lot of apps, I know. But we just wanted to talk about automators and managing your Mac. So uh, hopefully you got a few tips out of today's show. Um, Thank you to our sponsors, the folks over at Flatiron School. ExpressVPN, FreshBooks. If you've got some Mac automation tricks that we didn't cover, there's a place you can talk about that, right, Rose? Yeah, there is. You can join us in our forums at talk.automators.fm, where we will be delighted to hear all of your feedback on the show. And it's a great place to share your automations with other automators listeners as well. There's links in the show notes to all the apps we talked about today, and we will see you in a couple of weeks. Goodbye, everybody.